Okay, we've got a good title for the podcast this time around. It is Brandon and Dan Watch the Same Show as You, starring Brandon and Dan. <laughs> uh, we're going to do an actual on-topic, relatively close to... Relatively on time. We're going to talk about Black Widow today. Yeah, so we watched Black Widow. So this will include spoilers for Black Widow. We'll maybe start off not doing spoilers, but we're going to get into it, I think, pretty quickly. I always have, it's hard with saying spoilers, what's not spoilers. For me, I don't know if this is the case for you. For me, knowing that one of my friends liked a movie is actually a spoiler. Really? Yeah. Now, I, it's an acceptable level of spoiler, but the hmm. more I discover about the movie, the more I will know too much about the movie. That's not that big a deal for a movie like Black Widow, where I will probably know what the whole movie is at the five-minute mark. Yeah. Right? But for movies I don't want to know about, I don't even really want to know. Like, I generally do want to know, did you like it? But I don't want to know a single thing other. I don't want to watch a trailer. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear that people have problems with it or not. So spoilers are always hard for me because they're like, we're not going to talk about spoilers. And then a lot of the things that people talk about on podcasts such as this, I would consider spoilers. Absolutely spoilers. See, I am very, very different in that for the most part... I don't care going into it if I know what happens in a story because I don't watch it to be surprised. That's not why I'm there. I'm there because I want to enjoy the characters or the dialogue or something like that, which, you know, pertinent to Black Widow Mm -hmm. was great because there was nothing surprising in that movie. But Yelena, Florence Pugh's character, was an absolute delight every second she was on screen. She was amazing. And I could watch you know, a bunch of movies with her and assume I will because I assume based yeah. on this that she's the new Black Widow. See, we're That's already spoilers. spoiling all right, this. Spoilers. It's, it's all spoilers. <laughs> Everything spoilers about it. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting watching this movie for several reasons. Number one, it's like, you know, been delayed like 18 times, right? Mm-hmm. And then finally released. And we watched it as a company party in my theater. And so I was watching it, you know, with the whole company it was finally out. I really like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. I've made no bones about the fact that I think it's incredible. And I think it is much better than the sum of its parts. Because Agreed. some of the parts are fantastic and some of the parts are only okay. But there are very few bad parts and the sum together is just something I love. I think yeah. it's really cool. Being able to you know, watch the giant franchise grow and seeing the little bits, I actually, and a lot of people disagree, I actually think they've done a good job of making all the parts, for the most part, stand on their own. They do. While also feeding into the much larger narrative. No, I think that that is one of the genius parts about the MCU. Like, if Mm. I were going to encapsulate the most genius thing they did, it is making each of the kind of the sub-stories be a different sub-genre. You've got, you know, the heist movies, you've got the epic fantasy movies, you've got the spy thrillers, Mm -hmm. you've got the war movie, and these things having their own souls, so to speak. And they do have a couple of the kind of generic origin stories, but Mm -hmm. they flavor them just enough differently that I enjoy them. And it leads me to things, for instance, that I really like Doctor Strange. Because it's the type of story that I like a lot. It's a fantasy story. An urban fantasy with a cool magic system is just like right up Brandon's alley. And they targeted that and hit it really well. And so I really love that movie. You know, I think there are legitimate gripes one can have about some of these movies. But on the whole, I've really enjoyed watching the MCU. And it's partly due to the fact that I'm doing the same thing with the Cosmere, right? Mm -hmm. That it's exciting to see somebody doing this 
and to see people really liking it. And I think that improves my buy-in by me saying, wow, the thing that I'm doing can be successful. <laughs> I really want people to like this sort of thing because I want to do much mm -hmm. more of it. And I'm hoping that people will buy in as I am doing it. And so, yeah. Yeah. So with Black Widow in particular, it was delayed so many times, like you said, mm -hmm. that honestly, I think that at the end of the day was my biggest gripe about it, which mm -hmm. was it was really fun and it did a lot of things really well. And it came out five or six years later than it should. Right. And it was just so poorly timed. Really poorly timed. If this had come out right after Age of Ultron, which I think is where it takes place. Uh, not right Age after Ultron, Civil War. Civil War. Right after yeah. Civil War. As it is written to be, mm -hmm. I think it would be a really strong addition. As it is, it's still a good movie. Deeply flawed. And one of those flaws is not its fault. One of those flaws is the <laughs> fact that this movie is a big letdown when you're trying to get back into the MCU and you've already seen WandaVision, mm -hmm. you've already seen Loki, you know yeah. the MCU is going really weird places, and then this is like, oh yeah, go back and watch also, one of these. this happened. And yeah. so, yeah, the only kind of uh, place setting that it does for the future of the MCU is introducing us to Yelena, who yes. we all assume is going to be the next Black Widow. And potentially the dad. Yes. Who I believe mm -hmm. they've said they're going to bring back as well. And maybe, um, maybe the mom. I thought the family dynamic, I mean, it's what really worked. The broken, dysfunctional family with yeah. Yelena just being a superstar. She's so good. Go watch Little Women mm -hmm. with Florence Pugh. She was Pugh really in good it. in Little Go Women. Go watch The Night Manager. No, she wasn't Night Manager. She was Little Drummer Girl. Go watch mm -hmm. that. She's phenomenal. But then on the other hand, we've talked about this before, but not on this podcast. It was a YouTube thing. Actually, I don't know if we talked about your theories of where you thought Black Widow yeah. was going. Has that been public? That might or have been. That let just let our me own explain. Conversation? I was really hoping, and this did not detract from my enjoyment of the film. Yeah. I was really hoping that Black Widow would take place in the alternate, like, before I saw the Loki show, I'm like, ooh, they're going to do the thing where Loki rules his own dimension. We're just going to find out Loki took this thing. He rules his own dimension. I thought that the Loki show would be Megamind with Loki. Okay. Right? If you haven't seen Megamind, villain wins, takes over the city or the world or whatever, mm -hmm. then finds out that's a hollow victory and ends up becoming a sympathetic hero through the course of realizing that once he's in charge and doesn't have all of his friends and things, it's just, it's, it's hollow. I thought the Loki show was going to go there. That would have been my first guess. Okay. I am not really steeped and understanding comics lore. Like, I think a lot of people who read, read the comics knew where it was going, but I didn't. And I thought, wow, if we watch the Black Widow movie and then halfway through, we're like, something's off about this world. And then mostly just played out normally, but then we found out that this is the world that Loki has taken over. <laughs> and Black Widow is now the only member of the Avengers left after Loki found the rest of them and, you know, disintegrated them or something like that. And she escaped because she was on this adventure. Then that's just like a really cool setup. But it does mean they would be bringing back yet another Marvel character who died. Yeah. And I'm okay with them letting Marvel characters that died stay dead. Mm -hmm. So... That didn't ruin my enjoyment of the film. I just really wished it had tied in somehow. Yeah, I didn't have any of the specifics that you're talking about, but I did kind of assume, maybe just for whatever reason, that this was going to be the movie that brought Natasha back 
Yeah. Whether it is, you know, this is an alternate version of her, like mm-hmm. with Loki, or that this is, you know, some other thing we're able to time travel shenanigan our way out of this. I assumed that was going to happen. And like you, the fact mm-hmm. that it didn't, didn't bother me. It yeah. was just surprising to me. Yeah. And without that, like I said, there's no place setting. This is not looking forward into the rest of the MCU, despite some clear looking forward. It mm-hmm. was mostly a back looking story. It was giving us a prequel, and it just felt weird. So much of it felt, I don't want to say unnecessary, yeah, but that's the word that comes to mind. Yep, I'm there with you. Yeah, and I feel bad for saying that because people have been wanting a Black Widow movie forever. They've been wanting the uh, female-driven MCU movie forever. After Age of Ultron, I went on Facebook. You can still find these posts and be like, all right, where's my Black Widow movie? Where's my Hawkeye movie? Yeah. Those two in that movie were the best characters. So give me those. I want them. And as I said, it's a good movie. Yeah. I would probably give it a six and a half out of 10. And that's with me actually rating twos and threes being on the scale, right? Okay. Like, What's an MCU movie you'd give a three to? Hulk. Hulk is definitely a three or below. Okay. The Ed Norton Hulk. Uh, the Ed Norton MCU. Hulk is definitely a three or below. Dark World is like a four for me. Okay. The parts of it I like, I really like. It's generally regarded as pretty weak. I actually don't love Age of Ultron. Uh, Most people don't really like that one. I think I like it more than most. The ones that I don't really like, honestly, are the two Ant-Man ones. Mm. And see, Ant-Man, I've got very high on my list. I'd give that, I'd give the first Ant-Man a six, and Mm. I'd give the second one maybe a three. Okay. It did not work for me at all. That's, I mean, totally understandable. Yeah. Sometime we'll talk more about MCU movies and Mm -hmm. things like that, but I'd I'd give this like a six, right? Six and a half, maybe. I would be very tortured on this one, Mm -hmm. and uh, most of the good points I would give it, again, come back to the acting and the casting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even the villain, I thought, was really good. Yes, the well, Ray Winston guy. He's good, but he's so mustache twirly. He yeah. is good. I mean, and it works with the theme that's like, hey, look, this is basically Harvey Weinstein. We're not going to say it's Harvey Weinstein, but <laughs> hey, it's Harvey Weinstein, right? And that works for the type of story they're telling. Mm-hmm. But here are my big complaints. This is Because we're on okay, the internet, yes. we're to whinge. Let's point out that the movie is good. We keep saying that. I think we're yeah. saying it too much. It sounds like we're trying to defend something we don't like. All right. Let me talk about what's good then. Okay. Several of the action sequences I thought were visually stunning. I really liked the uh, breaking the father out sequence. See, that was the worst scene that in the one movie. Is, okay. I'll, I can <laughs> understand why you would say that. And because I have the same complaints you do with it. But it was visually stunning. It was, it was visually really dumb, interesting. I'll but give it was it visually interesting. interesting. The opening action sequence is legit good. Yes. Probably the best sequence in the movie, unfortunately, for me, at least action wise. The Budapest? No, chase? the plane. The father on the wing of the plane and the girl oh, daughter yeah, having yeah, to drive yeah. it, things like that. It felt very real and kind of brutal. And yeah, you've got a guy flying on a wing, so it is kind of ridiculous, but it's probably but it, my it favorite felt, action scene. It felt scene. a little more grounded to me. Yeah. And I loved the Budapest chase. Did you? I, I did really not really like that. that one. And I think part of it is because that's what I wanted or expected the rest of the movie to be right spy thriller i, I wanted hijinks. jason Bourne, yeah but with you know the the black widows and that's not what it was it it, it eventually turned into the much more ridiculous mm-hmm. big comic booky thing all the performances i thought were good yelena stands out and the dad stands out but all the performances were good so good things they're legit good things mm-hmm. i was never bored 
There are definitely action movies where I get 100%. bored. 100%. Yeah. And this one, I will agree, I was never bored by it. I was mm-hmm. sometimes really frustrated with it. Yes. Like, why did Natasha jump out of the helicopter to kick four guys on a gantry? Yes. There is no good reason. Well, let's let's but okay. bring up complaint number one. This is a running problem with the MCU, but it's gotten worse and worse in that the power levels of the characters are basically interchangeable. Iron Man and Black Widow can basically, he's in a big Iron Man suit, she's not. They can basically do the same things in a fight scene. (laughs) Except, you know, the obvious fly and shoot guns, right? The difference between Black Widow and, say, Drax the Destroyer in an actual fight, he's not tougher than her. She's not stronger than him. Mm -hmm. They just are equal in a fight. And the characters are all kind of rubber, right? And... This has been since the beginning of the MCU. Characters are made of rubber. Iron Man got launched out of a cave in a giant metal bucket, mm-hmm. smashed headfirst into sand, and is okay. Yeah. Later in that movie, he turns on one of his repulsors and what is he blows himself through the wall or something mm-hmm. like this. It's not that it's gotten worse, but what a human being can withstand, like what Natasha's abilities are. I was really hoping for Jason Bourne stuff, right? Like she has to be smarter. She can't just jump out of an airplane. And that's what we got at the end as well. Mm. When she basically outwits the guy in the office scene, which I thought was kind of clever. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The nerve pinch is actually my worst part of the movie. It was dumb, Mm -hmm. but at least we got to see her being clever. Yes. It was was being clever in a dumb way about a dumb thing, but she solved a problem by being a spy, which is what I want to see from Black Widow. Yeah. But then, you know, we get the whole stupid fight scene while she's falling out of the sky. And honestly, most of the action scenes in that movie did not work for me. I would because say because they were yeah. so over the top. They were visually exciting and interesting, but didn't add anything to the character or story. I'm with you. Like yeah. as visually as much as I like that escape because I think it's actually set up really well with him and the thing and and they get him and whatnot and there's there's but it's just stupid. Uh it the is, whole action yeah. sequence is stupid. What was great the the following mm. scene Yes. Where the two daughters talk to their dad in the helicopter. Yes. That was one of the best scenes in the movie. That was a great scene. That had phenomenal dialogue, incredible mm-hmm. writing, incredible performances. And it was just two daughters alternately taunting or mocking their father. Mm-hmm. You know, just that whole interplay. Like you said, the family dynamics were the strongest part of the show. Yeah. I mean, I really liked the when they went and met the mother. Trying to remember the actor's name, Rachel, yeah, from the Mummy movies. I thought she added an awkwardness, and I think it's easy to pass over how awkward she was. And she is a very charming actor. Yeah. And so she deliberately added this sort of edge of awkwardness that was really good for these family dynamics. It counteracted the goofiness of the dad Mm -hmm. and the slight goofiness of Yelena as well. By adding that edge in, I just, yeah, I think that well, they worked really and, well. And it was a nice alternative both to the goofiness of those two mm-hmm. and to the hard edge of Natasha. Yeah. Because the mom needs to fill that role of, we need to believe that she is a scary villain. Mm-hmm. And yet having her be the kind of out of touch, sociopath, awkward person rather than yes. the steely eyed Natasha, mm-hmm. it worked. So all of that was great. 
I'm going to give you my biggest branding complaint with the movie, which is a different <laughs> sort of thing. Okay. It's it's the missed opportunity. Okay. Now, I preface this by saying often when I offer criticism, if I were workshopping this, for instance, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd say this because it changes the it's type fundamentally of movie. what it is. Uh, yeah, it's 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 on a smaller level than fundamentally, but they made intentional, deliberate decisions that I think were bad decisions, but they made them deliberately. They just didn't do it poorly. Yeah. They did well what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Okay. But I wish that they had leaned into the family a little bit more. And I would have done this by having that. You remember that scene where Yelena is talking to the dad and, you know, he starts singing whichever song it is. Oh, yeah. That she really uh, liked American when she Pie, was on American they? Pie. Yeah. Yeah. And things like that. And they're bonding a little bit. I would have added to that scene her finding out that he got thrown in prison because he tried to break the girls out. Now, this changes him fundamentally, right? Mm-hmm. But I would have written a little mini arc for him where he he goes, he turns in the girl, says, it's going to be great for you. And he's like, I want to go back to action, you know, and things like that. But then right at the beginning, as they're going off, he looks back and you can tell. It's like, whatever. And then I wouldn't have shown any of this on screen, but I would have sent him back to action and I would have had him missing something in his life. And mm-hmm. eventually find out what's being done to the girls, try to break them out and get thrown in prison. None of that is shown. You just find out through yeah. a couple lines because you have him in prison. He doesn't have to have done anything in between. Why he got thrown into prison doesn't make any sense. And it makes him much more sympathetic mm-hmm. if he tried to break them out and just was bad at it because he's, you know. I think it would have improved a lot of things. And there's a second part to this. So okay. go ahead and say what you're saying, but then well, there's a second What, what second I'm going to say is I suspect the reason, mm-hmm. one of the reasons they didn't do that because if I understand the timeline correctly, he you know comes back, he gives them whatever data, yeah. and then he immediately gets thrown into prison. Yep. And I think the reason that they did that rather than have him try to break out the girls is if he knew that the girls were in prison or in this widow program being horribly abused, yeah. he would have spent those intervening years trying to break them out over and over, trying to escape prison right. over and over, which would have changed the tenor of that whole yeah. prison thing. Totally legit. My fire back to that is they realize they just have to convince him that the girls are dead. So they just fake their dads. And now he's depressed and Mm -hmm. in the prison doing the exact same thing. Yeah. And then they could have absolutely done it. And I agree with you. So Uh, I think it would have worked better. Second part to this is he absolutely needed to be the one, in my opinion, who defeated Taskmaster. Here's why. Okay. Uh, Set up and payoff. Taskmaster, they show her at the beginning studying Captain America's moves. All mm. through the movie, he, the Red Guardian... They call him Crimson Dynamo yeah. at one point, which was yeah. a different character, and he said, that's not my name, but that's the only name I can ever remember yeah. for him. So Red Guardian has spent the whole movie telling us about how he could totally beat Captain America. Like, that's his job in life, and his yeah. perspective is to beat Captain America, his arch rival. And here is somebody who... The whole movie has been built up as she perfectly imitates other people's power sets, and they showed her on screen practicing Captain Captain America. She fights with a shield. She fights with a shield, and so they should have gotten to the fight, and it should have been a thing where you can't beat me. You know, I have all the moves of Captain America, and then he's like, oh, really? (laughs) And he gets to beat Captain America. Right. Plus, you add to that the fact that he if you're doing, you know, my thing, he left the mm-hmm. girls behind. He didn't protect them. 
and now he can delay Taskmaster and protect the girls for the thing that they're doing. It fulfills a character arc. And they end that sequence just by locking Taskmaster away anyway, by having Raquel Weiss just mm-hmm. lock her away. You absolutely could have had changed nothing about the pacing of the film by having him beat her. And he's just so bumbling in this movie. He yeah. accomplishes nothing. He goes to fight Taskmaster, gets the floor wiped with him. And I'm mm-hmm. okay if he gets the floor wiped a little bit, but just giving him that arc to actually be a dad who made up for what he did, mm-hmm. who actually uses his single defining character attribute, which is, <laughs> I can fight Captain America, and then end her in the cell locked away, yeah. just would improve the movie by at least a whole point for me. I... Agree wholeheartedly. When you first said that, I thought you meant that you wanted him to defeat Taskmaster in the end. Right. Which I think would be a bad move. But Mm -hmm. you're talking about just changing the way the scene works. Because he does have a fight scene. Yes. And it's very unsatisfying because Mm -hmm. it is played as a joke. He gets beat up and then the mom locks her in a room and that's all it is. And I think that is indicative of the much larger problem, which is that really nobody has much of a character arc in this movie at all. Yelena does in that she kind of gets a forgiveness bit. Mm -hmm. And we do have the moment at the end where Natasha says, it was real for me too. And that's like, yay, the sisters. But Natasha doesn't really have a character arc. She doesn't move from A to B. Nobody really has a satisfying moment except for Taskmaster herself. Yes. The final fight with Taskmaster was just, here's the poof gas and you get your life back rather than let's beat each other up for 10 minutes. Yeah. And that worked. It did work. Another tweak I would have made is I would have had Black Widow go with them at the end. Now, I would have made it clear. I can only, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm on the run. I can't, you know, I've got to be in this place in two weeks or something like, spend the two weeks with us. Right? Like, A moment where instead of leaving her family again, she's like, all right. And then you can still have the thing where she goes to get the jet and leave. And at that point, she's leaving her family. But she spent two weeks with her found family. Mm-hmm. Actually, just being a family again would see, see, give an art for me. Yes. First of all, my response to every single one of your suggestions mm-hmm. is, yes, you're right. But I don't think it would have worked because so many things didn't work well in that movie. That scene, I think what they were trying to do with it Mm -hmm. was the self-sacrifice moment. Yes. Right? I have to go with General Ross here because Mm -hmm. if I don't, he's going to chase me. And if I'm with you, he's going to chase you. So the only way that I can help you is doing this. And so logistically, there's super good reasons for her to do what she did. But... Mm -hmm. It does not make for a satisfying emotional arc. Well, and beyond that, she's away from him in the next, very next scene. Yeah. Obviously, him chasing her is not a very dangerous thing. Yeah. Well, and I don't, frankly, don't even know why she was being chased through the movie at all, other Mm -hmm. than some early pass of the script was trying to tie this into the Civil War movie. Yep. But, you know, those are those are my Band-Aid fixes to the fact that there aren't character arcs and to the fact that the action sequences are so much worse than the character moments, but the character moments don't pay off quite well enough to make it a great movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the kind of deeper level problems for me, first of all, like, you know, I really hated the prison breakout because it was just a nonsense scene in which nothing seemed to make sense or matter. But also the whole masks and betrayal at the end and... You know, we saw them get captured, 
but then it turns out there's flashbacks and they got captured in a different way. It's cheating. It's cheating and it's lazy and it really mm. bothered me. I would agree. We both wanted more Mission Impossible Jason Bourne stuff, mm -hmm. but you have to set these things up to use the digital mask thing in the movie that we're watching. And yes, we have to see that early, which we could have seen that earlier yes. because she is a spy. Yes. Just let her be a spy. So many of my problems with this movie would be solved by just letting it be smaller than it was. Yeah. And that's my problem with the bad guy and things. Like you said you liked him. The performance was good. The mm -hmm. confrontation was good. But he was just another faceless evil with a giant amount of power. And the Black Widows, the other ones, were so insignificant to the movie that it bothers me. They are basically trophies to be won. And See, that, that makes thematic sense, though. Mm. The idea that the Black Widows are being treated as stormtroopers. Yes. And then our goal at the end is, no, we need to save them. And they made overtures toward that. Okay. The first scene with, you know, Yelena and mm -hmm. her team are chasing down a runaway AWOL widow. And then she gets gassed and she mm -hmm. realizes why. Yep. And they didn't do enough with that to make it work for me. See, I wanted from that scene, I'm like, oh, this is going to be really cool. There are going to be 10 widows placed around. We're going to get to know a little bit about each one. Mm -hmm. They're going to find a way to restore each of them in turn. And then together, they're going to take down the bad guy. Which would have been so much better. That was the movie that I was expecting. Now, if I'm going to do a complete throw the movie out, and that's what I do, right? Mm -hmm. You still have to work the dad into it somehow and the, the mom. Um, but, you know, they need the mom to find out where some, I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> the trouble is the structure you're talking about all of a sudden this isn't a movie it's yes. a show it gets you know yeah. eight nine episodes like falcon and winter soldier did. well and all of a sudden you have to throw everything out basically mm -hmm. to tell that story and it feels like they really felt they needed huge bombastic over-the-top action sequences yeah to make this work which you know, even the fact that the boss's base was in a giant floating sky tower inside of an artificial cloud mm -hmm. just annoys me. Yeah. Like, I hate that kind of stuff. I don't even like that kind of stuff in the normal MCU. Mm. Certainly not in the little movie about the spies. And I think a lot of it comes down to I wanted a smaller movie than they made. Mm -hmm. And they were trying to give Black Widow a really big movie almost as an apology for taking so long to finally get around to it. Yep. But then it was a big movie that felt action-wise big, but it felt small in every other regard. Mm -hmm. And that is a problem. Small in the wrong ways, right? In yeah. the ways that connects to the rest of the MCU and things like this. Well, which goes back to what I said at the beginning about timing, that mm -hmm. if this had actually come out, you know, the summer after Civil War or in a few months or yeah. whatever... It would work. I think it would work so much better, even without changing anything. Yeah, I agree. It would have worked better because it wouldn't have to be as big as it was. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it was a small thing and that its primary impact on the universe is introducing a couple of new characters would still feel right and it would feel satisfying. Right. I think the other thing that would happen there, she could have given Black Widow a better arc. Because mm -hmm. part of the problem is... This Black Widow has to be functionally identical to the Black Widow that shows up in, you in know, Infinity War. Infinity War. And 
if she isn't, then that's a problem. And so she has to have an even character throughout it because... Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing I feel like I want to say mm-hmm. in our defense, because yes. I know that there are a lot of people out there who loved this mm-hmm. for very personal reasons. Yep. I guarantee, in fact, I could name several women who loved this movie because of what it was and because of what it said. And I kind of feel like we're pooping all over something that was important to a lot of people. And so I want to make it clear that that's not my purpose here. Mm-hmm. One thing that I've said on the show before is, you know, my my favorite Roger Ebert quote. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter what a show is about, but how it is about it. And clearly that is not the case for everybody, but that mm-hmm. is the thing for me. And so the fact that, yes, the main female lead of the MCU finally got her own movie, that is valuable in and of itself. And if you loved the movie because of that, because of anything else, you're not wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, and let's point out using more female directors for mainline yeah. MCU movies is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Hollywood has a female director problem in that they don't like to let them direct movies. And this director, the stuff that required direction was really good. The stuff <laughs> yes. that it feels like was storyboarded by fight choreographers mm-hmm. is most of the stuff we have a problem with. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of the scenes that we really, really loved, the family mm-hmm. eating dinner together, the daughter's with the dad in the helicopter, you know, I guarantee that the director and the writer, who's also a woman, they spent a lot of time crafting that and they Uh hit it out of the park. It was phenomenal. And I haven't mentioned enough how much I really like that opening. The flashback opening, I thought, paced really well and it had a weirdness to it in a good way where you're like, something's wrong with his family right yeah. something something's very wrong with this family oh yeah they're spies and they haven't told the kids no even even one of the kids knew mm-hmm. they were yeah like figuring all of that out and realizing they were the bad guys right yeah they were then having the dad just be on full-on kind of in bad guy mode like not evil bad guy but antagonist to uh to what would be traditionally viewed as... Uh, I mean, I, I yeah. will go ahead and say mm-hmm. early dad was evil. Yeah. He sold out these two little girls. Right. So that he could advance his own career. Yeah, like, I suppose. You can, I, you can I, call I that evil. I prevaricate on that. See, I would argue that it is, hey, this is the job to be done. And, you know, I'm not selling out the two little girls. I'm borrowing them and then giving them back, right? To the group that takes care of the little girls so that they can be... He's more like the... Yeah, yeah, I guess it depends on how much he knew about the Widow program. Right. But since apparently the mom's research was specifically for it, I have to mm-hmm. assume he knew yeah. some of what I, was going to go down. i argument. Anyway, yeah. I, I wanted more redemption arc. Like, when we were watching, and you know, we got that opening scene that took place in the mm-hmm. 90s or whatever it was, and then that opening credits sequence with like still shots of little girls in storage containers. That was dark. Yeah. That was incredibly dark. And I feel like what we saw was two or three different visions shuffled together. 
I would agree. I've actually read some reviews that all are pointing that out, that it really feels like if you're going to do a movie about human trafficking of little girls, that movie doesn't belong in the same movie where a car goes down the steps into a subway, turns around a couple times, and people crawl out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I keep going back and forth as well on the villain's line at the end where he's like, you know, he he gives his huge monologue. Right. Yes. And he's like, and all of it using the world's most expendable resource, little girls. And I'm like, oh, okay. That is somebody's political thesis uh -huh. statement for the entire movie. And part of me really loved it. And part of me is like, that is so on the nose that it was kind of painful. I actually laughed at that moment. <laughs> um, I snorted out loud at that line because it was so on the nose. It was so on the nose, but at the same time, I really loved it. Well, it is like, <laughs> as many people have pointed out, if you want to pick a punching bag on the internet, just pick whatever it is that tween girls like at the moment and everybody will be happy to pile on. Oh, yeah. And that's a legit problem with our groupthink in that... What tween girls like is what everybody hates, you know? Yep. Easy to just destroy and mock. I'm not going to mention any of them that I'm thinking of, but generic book <laughs> for young boys that mm -hmm. is generic and, you know, has its problems, receives nowhere near the level of derision of Twilight, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, just, just... Absolutely. Because of this, this kind of uh, mm -hmm. axiom, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, I've I've written two different YA series, very specifically intended for teen girls, and mm -hmm. watched this phenomenon in place. And and I, you know, I'm not talking about you know attacks that I got because that mm -hmm. didn't really happen. But going to cons, talking to the readers, talking to teen girls about what they like and what they love, and seeing them constantly attacked, mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to ignore. But anyway, yeah. So at the end of the day, Black Widow was fun. Mm -hmm. I liked it. You know, I think I think I would agree with you. Six, maybe six and a half, mm -hmm. which is still above average. It is. I consider almost all the MCU above average, though. Right. Yeah. And again, the weaker ones are getting pulled up by the fact that the whole interconnectivity mm -hmm. works so well for me. Yes. What is the best MCU movie? The best MCU yes. movie is Endgame. Okay. Or Ragnarok. But I'm going to say Endgame because I do think that it is a much more ambitious movie and that they stuck the landing so much harder than I ever thought they could. I go back and forth between Infinity War and Endgame because I feel like Infinity War was harder to do. The whole making me empathize with the antagonist, making the... See, I never yeah. empathized with him. Right. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't like yeah. Infinity War even a fraction as much as you do. Right. But if I'm talking about just pure enjoyment in the cinema, Endgame, I enjoyed more. Mm -hmm. Right? Oh, yeah. I really like the time heist. Mm -hmm. It breaks the MCU in half, but it's okay because it's the last movie <laughs> of that version of, of the that MCU. that version of the MCU. Yeah. Yeah, the experience of watching Endgame in the theater, you know, yes. at the end of 12 years and 23 movies and the audience, yeah. you know, any movie is lucky if it gets one mm -hmm. theater-wide cheer and yeah. Endgame had like five. Yep. And that's really, really impressive. It's a good argument. It's a really good argument. And uh, it's hard to because Endgame is obviously, well, not obviously, but it's going to be in my top five. 
right? Mm-hmm. And I go back and forth because I really like Josh Brolin's performance as Thanos. It like is so much better than the early sneak peeks of Thanos where we worried that Thanos was just going to be yet another weirdly colored MCU interchangeable villain. See, that's how I see him, though. And I, I don't think he has a personality, and it is genuinely surprising yeah. to hear somebody refer to it as a performance. Oh, man, I thought he did a great job. Eh, he uh-huh. just kind of growled his dialogue, and mm-hmm. then they painted over him with CG. Okay. That's okay. all it was for me. You, you, you can be wrong. It's okay. <laughs> I, I accept that. I mean, once I swallowed the pill, the speed racer pill, that, that Dan doesn't. <laughs> I actually watched that movie. Recently? Recently. We watched okay. it last week wow. in my theater. And I want to grab you and force you to watch the opening of Speed Racer and see you tell me. That's the only part of Speed Racer I've seen Why and then gave up on it. That part. Like, we should totally watch it together. Now, this is stiff competition, so I don't think I can say it's the best opening to a film that I've ever seen. Because mm-hmm. that probably goes to Indiana Jones or The Dark Knight. Okay. Right? Honorable mention to Star Wars with the opening, just the opening shot being so good. Yeah. But the amount of information they convey without a single info dump, giving flashbacks to five different characters during a race sequence that also brings you up to speed on the main conflict of the story and establishes the tone and visual palette. Like it's all so well done. And it is a stylistic choice that is not for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. As I like to say, it's like a unicorn chewed up some Skittles and barfed them on the screen. And if you can't take that, then... But that is so well-paced and put together. It's just pure genius. That opening sequence okay. is genius. We we are going to watch it okay, together in your theater. Adam's going to film us watching it. And I have a podcast title for you. Oh. Brandon Talks About Speed Racer. Brandon Talks About Speed Racer. Brandon talks about Speed Razor, part 17. Part 17. (laughs) Uh, We're recording this one a little bit out of order, audience, because we wanted to get on the whole sweet uh, Black Widow. um, On that Black Widow gravy train as fast as we could. Right. Only a month late. Which is we really know, soon for us. Which which is actually yes. for us. But they're incredibly timely. There might be other podcasts coming up where I have also talked about how great Speed Racer is. <laughs> if we were to do the underrated film film festival, uh-huh. you and I put one together. Yes. What else would what else would you put in there? Um, Speed Racer. Speed Racer for sure. So I, I would have to go look at some of the things, but Better Off Dead. I don't know how it is regarded. It's okay, one of that's these, fair. like, if I know it was a flop, right? Mm-hmm. And so that one definitely. So that's interesting to me because mm-hmm. I would actually consider putting One Crazy Summer on. Okay. Because in my head, Better Off Dead is the one everyone's seen. Right. And they and kind of has. That's the problem. One right? Crazy Summer is the one no one's heard of. Yes. Because it, it lives in the shadow of its sibling. The problem here is that I'm picking a lot of movies that are well-liked on the internet and did either perform poorly at the box office Mm -hmm. or performed poorly with critics at the time. Yeah. But have then become known. But uh, my wife and I watched Gattaca last night, which is one of my favorite films of all time for our our date night. Well, and that's a beloved movie. Yeah, but it lost $25 million off of a $30 million budget or something. Like it made $12 million. That is uh, astonishing. Back of its $30 million. Okay. And I mean... 
I think it did get good reviews at the time, and I think okay. that people have seen so, it. Like, so it, I'm gonna but... re, I'm gonna retitle our film festival. Yeah. This is no longer underrated movies. This is Second Look. Uh huh. Something that you may have seen before, and maybe mm-hmm. you even like, but let's look at it again. Okay. And uh, and appreciate it in a new light. Gattaca on there, absolutely. Because you know what they did? They had electric cars. This is 97. Now, everyone knew it was kind of coming, but a mm-hmm. lot of things put in like whatnot. But their electric cars basically work like electric cars do. He plugs one in. At one point, they took out all the engine roars. There's no motor sounds to the cars, which <laughs> is something I'd awesome. never noticed in 97. Because mm-hmm. now when I drive an electric car, I notice it. And they presaged that and got it right. And I remember watching the movie last night. The first time that I noticed and the car pulled up, and I'm like, there's no engine rumble. It just pulled up. They added a little sci-fi sound to it mm-hmm. instead. But I'm like, oh wow. <laughs> I can't believe you got that. That's super cool. Yeah. I had not realized that. Now, I would consider Gattaca a perfect movie. Okay. But also with criticisms based around the time frame. That's another name for our podcast, by the way. Brandon doesn't understand what the word perfect means. <laughs> Because that movie has a really kind of problematic view of depression and suicide mm-hmm. that was very prevalent in cinema at the time, with this, this kind of glorifying and beautiful end of Jude Law. Of Jude Law, it's like it's this poetic, beautiful thing. Yeah, and, and well, and you can read it two different ways because yes. is that depression or is that I am giving my life to you? Which yes. could still be read as I depression mean, and suicide. That's why Absolutely. it's beautiful, right? Like, yeah. screenplays-wise, it's written beautifully. Mm-hmm. But he walked out in front of a car and got hit. That's why he he's in a wheelchair, right? Mm-hmm. This is back when his life was great. Later on says, first you don't succeed, try, try again, indicating, I'm going to kill myself. And then he meets with Ethan Hawke's character near the end and is like, I made all this stuff for you because I'm not going to be around anymore. And Ethan Hawke's like, oh. That's sad. And holds his hand. Yeah. Rather than being like, oh, my friend, don't kill yourself. Doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And that is super problematic. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to call Gattaca a perfect movie as Mm. much as I love it. However, the scene where Jude Law drags himself up the stairs, that's (laughs) top 10 of all the history of cinema. Mm. Without question. That's one of my favorite scenes I've ever seen. Is it? That's an interesting one to pick. But, I mean, now that I know more about cinema, watching the framing, watching how they pick their locations, mm-hmm. there's a, a lots of shots of people going down this stairwell that looks like a double helix, mm-hmm. right? Just the color grading is so interesting in that film. Like, you almost never see color except in the sky at sunsets because the sky is the beautiful place that Ethan Hawke is trying to get to. And the land below is this terrible retro-futuristic dystopia. Yeah. Like, if you watch for color, the other place you see color is on Uma Thurman when, you know, Mm -hmm. what she wears and how she puts on lipstick and things like that. Well, and even, you know, going back to the problematic Mm -hmm. put myself in the incinerator. Yes. It's the same color palette as all those sunsets. Yep. Because he got his beautiful escape, which Uh is really fraught with a lot of problematic things well and you know it is also a movie that basically has one woman yeah in the movie i mean there are two because the mom has lines in it but every role that could have been given to a man was given to a man Mm -hmm. the two roles for women in that movie are love interest and mom you can't be the detective the grouchy detective 
You can't be the person that Jude Law or the Ethan Hawk works for. Mm-hmm. You can't be the person that he used to work for, who's the, on the cleaning crew. Those all are played by distinguished older men actors. So yeah. Ah uh, well. But you know, I suppose that I can leave off talking about how wonderful a movie uh, Gattaca is in our <laughs> Black Widow review. <laughs> This is going to happen with all of our reviews, I suspect. We're just yes, going to talk about is. a few movies that we love and things like them. But anyway, go watch Gattaca again. Watch Give it a Gattaca second. again. And you know what? I'm going to also tell you to go watch Little Women because Florence Pugh is honestly, I think, one of the best living actors. She is phenomenal. Thank you for listening to this episode of Intentionally Blank. You can join the discussion and vote for your favorite podcast title at r Sanderson. Produced by Adam Horn. Sound engineering and editing by Daniel Thompson.